Hey, my name is Tiffany Vaughn, and I'm on a mission to help regular people like me find their voice and then use it for lifting themselves and others up around them. I'm a small town mom to three kiddos with my hubby James, and man, have we been dealing with a lot. But isn't everyone? I lovingly call it our hard, beautiful journey, and I bet that yours is too. In season one, I tossed the bricks from my shoulders that were weighing me down. Bricks that represented shame, embarrassment, regret, loss, you name it, I was feeling it. I am now taking those bricks and building up a stronger foundation for myself and our family. I've created this safe space for me and you to open our hearts and our minds and to use our voices to help others know they are not alone in their struggles. Mental health, marriage and divorce, infertility, parenting, and some soul journey work are all topics that we discuss here. Let's be real for a minute. Life can definitely be hard, but it can also be so dang beautiful. Am I right? So pull up a cozy seat, grab your beverage of choice, and join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, friends. Hope you've all been doing well and had a great family day long weekend here in Alberta anyway. Have you ever met someone and you instantly felt pure joy radiating from them? Like there was a giant ball of sunshine surrounding them and lighting everyone up who was in their presence? I have. And wow, it's pretty damn special when you get those opportunities. My opportunity came about a year and a half ago when I attended a videography and photography workshop. There was this woman in the class with me who I just knew was pretty damn special. This woman was Jessica Jensen. She came up to me and introduced herself and asked me a couple questions about myself, including about my family, family, and she told me about her three kids, including one in heaven. And then she dropped a love bomb on me. She said she had been watching me doing the filming outside and that I had something special. I mean, I just met this person and she made me feel like a million bucks. I learned a valuable lesson that day from a complete stranger. You can bring joy to other people's lives by acting on nudges from your heart, to say something kind to someone, to give a smile to a stranger that may need it, to hold the door open for someone, or to just be there to listen when someone needs to talk. There are so many ways to bring the joy and follow the nudges in your heart. And Jess is here to talk with us about how she is doing this after experiencing the profound loss from the death of her son, Lewiston, at six months old. Here is my interview with Jessica Jensen. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good. Thank you so very much for being here with me today. I'm really, truly honored. I really am. Thanks. So I met you, how many years ago? Two years ago, I think, at a video and photography workshop yep. with Christina Nickel and Christiane Swart. And that was the day that I had heard about you and I had heard about things that have gone on in your life, but I didn't really start following you until then and watching your journey unfold. And I'm just so grateful that I met you that day because what you're doing in this world is amazing. You are bringing joy every single day 
And I'm just grateful. And then you wrote a book called Bring the Joy. And I, I think I've bought quite a few and I've given them to so many people because the book is just phenomenal. And I'm a speed reader, but this book I read in four hours. What? Four hours. It was, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Honestly, I could not put it down. I told my husband, go feed the kids. I cannot deal right now. (laughs) I I got to find out what happens next, man. (laughs) Yes. Every single chapter. I was like, no, no. (laughs) You're like, she's going to end up with the Costa Rican guy. What is she doing with her life? I know. I'm like, no, no. Hot Ronnie, hot Ronnie. But then a few people have been like, what happened to team Carlitos? What happened to him? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just really happy you ended up with Ronnie. So me too. And I know it will be a bestseller. I know it. I can feel it. And I hope to God that happens soon for you. And then you raised $1 million. Mm -hmm. And counting, man. $1 million freaking dollars. And that is just so amazing. So if you don't mind, would you take my listeners to how you got here and what's going on? Mm -hmm. How you're bringing the joy Basically, I'm going to give you the Coles notes of my book, but um, born and raised on a farm just outside of Winnipeg. And when I was 21, my career was going really well. I had these phenomenal opportunities and I was like, had just broken up with my long-term boyfriend of four years who I thought I was going to marry. And I had this like moment where I could move into the city or try a new city. I'm like, I'm trying a new city. So I end up in Calgary. I have about umpteen bajillion jobs, which I always find embarrassing, but I think we got to find our path and find our way. And it's not the same. We're not in the same generation as our parents or even our grandparents, where you had one job for 35 years and you committed to the company, (laughs) which is what I thought I was supposed to do. So that made me feel like a failure. 15 million jobs. Finally find a place that I call home uh, for almost six years called Jugo Juice, which is where I met my husband now. I thought he was a pompous a-hole. He thought I was a (laughs) stuck-up fill in the word rhymes with which and (laughs) and he says he doesn't think that but I was like give me a break as if you didn't think that and we go through this like on off love romance my husband overcomes this insane addiction I think he has a beautiful book inside of him and I can't wait for him to one day write it and we share some of the letters that he's written me in the book which I I know we're a fan favorite Mm -hmm. and And then, yeah, we get pregnant, we get married and we get pregnant really easily. I was told I wouldn't be able to have children. Uh, I had a ton of issues, stomach issues, endometriosis. I had cysts, like just you name it. I had it and I was celiac and all of that usually culminates to like not being able to get pregnant. And we had the exact opposite problem where I looked at my husband and bam, baby one. And we literally were post baby four months and bam, baby number two, and textbook pregnancy. I was healthy. I taught fitness, super active. I went into the hospital first thing in the morning. I walked out that evening, like literally it was like, boom, boom. I was watching playoff hockey and eating uh, gluten-free pizza and watching the sharks in the Western finals for NHL hockey. And so the craziness, and then what ends up transpiring is when my son Lewiston, our son Lewiston was about two and a half months he went limp and it was actually a Cairo that noticed it. I hadn't, I think just like I had two kids under 15 months at that time. Like it was just weird sleep deprived. You're not yourself. 
And we did a series of testing, finding out that he eventually had a disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And probably the majority of people on listening or have never heard of it. So it's not something very typical, except I was super familiar with it because for the last nine years, I had helped a family locally. I think God has a funny sense of humor. And I'd said nine years earlier, I know I'd never want to help or work with handicapped kids. They disgust me. And I say that, and I always say, feel free to punch me in the face next time you see me in person. But I think it's the honest truth and being important to share some of those dark moments and how that came to be. And a week after I said that, I met a little boy who had a little sister who I fell in love with, and they both have the disease called spinal muscular atrophy. It's the number one cause of infant death under two. And there at the time, no treatment, no cure. And so I was familiar with the disease, but not actually familiar with the severity of it. And unfortunately, because Lewiston was diagnosed so early at two and a half months, they were like, basically enjoy your time with your son. We don't think he'll make his first birthday. We just want to give him a comfortable life. And that led to this downward spiral of all the crazy news, but it also led to me very publicly sharing our journey on Instagram. And it came from a spot of, I need one place to share. So I'm not responding to all these text messages and questions. And when we got Lewison's diagnosis, we made a statement that day on August 5th that we would bring the joy regardless of how dark and how scary and the gloom and doom that we were facing. And that has stayed true to this day. It's a theme of our life. And the doctors were right. We tried several different options to keep him alive and well, but we always said when Lewiston has fight, we have fight. But when he didn't have fight, we wanted to recognize that he needs to be let go. And we said our goodbyes and he went up to heaven on November 22nd, 2016. And so in, in the aftermath of all of the hurt and heartache and turmoil and pain, we've chosen to use pain as rocket fuel. And that pain looks like starting our foundation in honor of our son that has raised over a million dollars in three and a half years, which is pretty badass. It's it like when you sit back and think about it, you're like, whoa. I've never oh. seen that type of cash flow in my bank account. No. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Whenever I go to the bank account and I'm writing texts or doing stuff for the people that apply for the funds, I'm always like feeling pretty proud of myself because my bank account <laughs> balance is like $72. And you're like, hopefully <laughs> I have enough to get gas this week. And then we go into the foundations account and it's, we are so blessed to be able to have cash flow and do the work and be able to help the people that we help. And that led to me writing a book. Originally, I wanted to write a book about my love story with Ronnie. Cause if you read it, it's pretty like up and down. Yep. <laughs> I picture our story being like a Nicholas Sparks film. So that's also on the really crazy big. Oh, that would be amazing. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I was like, no book move over. Hot Ronnie and Justin's are coming through. It's crazy. And like the moments for our love story are so clear and so vivid. And I wish we had Instagram back then. Obviously <laughs> all the crazy that happened for us to get where we got is so incredible. Mm-hmm. And so then I wrote a book and now we have an apparel company. I'm called the Lewis Enable, which is a for-profit business that gives a portion of proceeds back to the foundation. You're rocking it. I, I don't know when this is coming out, but this is a new color. And oh, this, I love it. I know. We're so excited. It's got to go get screened, but we're just testing some new colors. We've got like new designs. That's why my floor is a mess. And then I speak and I'm working on a course that's helping people get unstuck after loss and grief. Cause I think we've all experienced grief and it not necessarily isn't death related, Mm -hmm. but it could be death related. And so I'm just super passionate about using our pain for, for purpose. And that's kind of my rocket fuel. 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did they just approve a medication now that would help with SMA? Here's the crazy story. So Lewiston was the first kid to get this drug called Spinraza and we ha- in Alberta, I should clarify that there were other kids in Canada and we were trying to get them on this clinical trial. And when Lewiston was sick, they said, no treatments, no cures. There's nothing we can do, but there was clinical trials. So we tried to get them into Columbus, Ohio and either Toronto or Vancouver. The problem was with Lewiston was that he was so sick, he couldn't make it across the parking lot and he would be crashing. And mm-hmm. so they had approval for an air, like a medivac plane, but I couldn't go in it. And I was like, I'm not hopping on a commercial flight, wondering if maybe when I land, my kid will be alive or dead. So yeah. just shut that shit down. I was like, yeah. not happening, like not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But in the interim of shutting that down, we found so much peace. They literally, the team at Alberta Health Services and the Children's Hospital jumped through hoops. The team of Biogen, the makers of the drug were like, yes, they granted us compassionate access and you have to sign all these papers and it, it's not a very simple process. And so he did get access to this drug Spinraza. Uh, And Spinraza is an incredible drug. They're seeing incredible um, improvement. And in the interim, where we're trying to get to as well was a clinical trial for a drug called Zolgensma. And in June 2017, eight months after Lewiston passed, Spinraza gets approved. And now just most recently in 2020, December 15th or 16th, whatever that day is, Zolgensma gets approved. And Zolgensma, they're saying is like a miracle drug. And it's a little bit more directly targeted and the closest thing to a cure because it's attacking the SMN1 gene. I don't want to get too techie here, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. attacking the gene that they have no copies of where Spinraza attacks the backup copies. So it's almost just not as powerful. And so they're saying when these infants get this drug, rather than all this deterioration, which happens. So essentially SMA slowly deteriorates and you lose, your body doesn't have the genetic makeup to reproduce proteins. So as your proteins die off, you're not reproducing where our bodies are constantly reproducing these proteins. And those proteins are what our nerves talk to our muscles with. So eventually when those nerves die off, they're no longer talking to the muscles and it starts in your legs and then it slowly works its way up. And that's why breathing, swallowing, any kind of normal thing that you and I take for granted doesn't happen anymore. And so all of those muscles atrophy and eventually they either need to be kept alive artificially with breathing machines and all of that crap, or I hate to say it. And I talk really frankly, but like, and essentially we pulled the plug on our kid, but he didn't have the juice to keep going. He was, he was done. Yeah. It's a crazy journey. And it's amazing to see just in four years, what's come down the line of Spinraza and Zolgensma. And they're looking at pairing both of them together. And what are the effects of how great that is? And these families are seeing their kids now thrive. They're seeing kids now run just the gains that have been made and the amount of research and studies and clinical trials and now approvals the landscape that has changed for the SMA community. And I want to be abundantly clear. There is still so much work to be done because the adult population is really missing out. Like, like you hit 18 plus and you're almost like, Hey, good luck. Enjoy till you coast into the ground. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And and we're not done. We're far from done. There's not, it's not a cure. Zolgensma and the Novartis, the makers of the drug are very clear on that. I think Biogen and Spinraza, amazing options. Zolgensma, an amazing treatment. The adult community is still missing out and we need to get them funding and there's so much work to be done, but you also have to celebrate the wins along the way so that you have some energy to keep you going. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. What did you do along this journey to create connection and get through this? I think the biggest thing, I love social media. It's a heavy, I I don't know if I can rhymes with which it it can be a really hard place to be, but I chose to use it as a really beautiful place. And that truly has been for us that it really has been a blessing. That's how you find families that fighting SMA. That's how you connect with moms. You search a hashtag and that's how like we redid our fireplace. And I started searching hashtags. You're like, Oh, I need a good painter. Search hashtags, you know, Oh, I want to find some families that are fighting the disease SMA. Oh, I search the hashtag. And so that connection and community and people have a hard time asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I would say I've nailed that. If there's one thing I want to be known for, if I go out tomorrow and at my funeral, they're going to be like, she was really good at asking for help. And yeah. often as women, we suck at it, but someone's, Hey, I can come over and help you fold your laundry. I'm like, great. Does 2 PM work or four? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> You want to help come fold inventory? Great. You want to come volunteer for the silent auction? Awesome. You want to come and help us send thank you cards or whatever it is. And honestly, I get so much help. I get overwhelmed. And I sometimes I'm like, we have too much help. Like we've had to turn people away. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget that like, when you start talking about a cause, when you start fighting something, when you're working towards a common goal, people want to join you in, in your journey, especially when you invite them in. And so we made a call out to our community. We invited them in to, we were beyond open as an open book. And I think because we shared so openly and because we asked for their help, we just saw the floodgates pull in. And the biggest blessings have been from saying, Hey, I'm not okay. And asking for help. And whether that's with your husband, whether that's in a friendship or whether that's in fighting a rare disease or cancer or whatever the battle is, people are are inherently good and they want to be good and and they love to help. Mm -hmm. I think they do too. Have you always had this self-esteem, this self-worth that you radiate, or is this something that you've developed through this grief process? I think you have to ask my mom that question. Like I feel like I've kind of been asked similar questions before. Here's the thing. I think when you are growing and learning and establishing, and I turned 37 this year and I've cut so much BS out. Like I just don't have time for it anymore. And I think when you, I've had my mom, especially God bless my dad, Jim, if you're listening, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Jim's not touchy feely. Like he's a typical Manitoba farmer. We don't talk about our feelings. Like he'll maybe drop the, I love you one time a year. Like he's just <laughs> like, oh, we're a farmer. We don't talk about feelings. Yep. We just work hard. And my mom like just poured into me where she was like, you're meant for big places. God has big plans for you. And she just spoke that into my life day in and day out. And she prayed over us and journaled and did all the things. And feel like I become more and more alive, but I feel like I'm living my most authentic, true self now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't care what people think. It's funny you talk about the books. I write the book and I'm wearing a bathing suit. I've got a big bum. I'm happy to own it, claim it. And I'm walking, I'm strolling my son Hollis so that he'll nap. And we're at the beach and there's this beautiful lake park and he wakes up. So I'm fixing his bottle and I'm talking like I'm bent down. My butt is full exposure, <laughs> like such an awkward and embarrassing position to be in. Like one that you, like you'd see like the celebrity magazines where it's like, oh, look how big her butt is, like in a mean way. These girls across the, the little park area. Oh, it, that is so amazing. It was so cool. But I literally 
was like, oh my gosh, this is so hilarious. I was like, literally my butt was in their face, like from a distance, but like my bathing suit is wedged right up my butt. And I just was like, people weren't concerned about my Toshi. They're concerned about my heart. And that has helped me move into a new type of skin, a new type of being, a new type of how I show up for myself. When you learn to not care so much. That being said, I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Still, it still creeps up and bubbles up where you're like, oh, and you're like, I want to be like her. Look at what they did. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm able to recheck myself really quick. And life is short. My kid taught me that he had 179 days. I don't want to waste what I'm given. So I'm just showing up as the most authentic self. And I, I don't need to be anybody else, but Jess, and I'm not everyone's flavor. And I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest worry that I have on just this whole social media world and getting Mm. bigger and all of that is just dealing with the haters and, and just, I want to be me and I want to be real and I want to never try and please anybody, Mm -hmm. but seeing those negative comments is just not enjoyable. And I know I messaged you the other day and it's not okay. Just keep being you, just keep being you. I had another girl message me. She has an even bigger platform. She lost her husband recently, like horrible. And people are being horrid to her. Like I've had people be mean, like a one lady and I'm 99% sure I know who she is. She makes all these fake accounts and then post stuff. And she's, you used your dead son to get people to pay for you to go to Hawaii and blah, blah, blah. And I, the, the year after Lewis died, I went to Hawaii three times in the span of 12 months. Like talk about spoiled fricking rotten. The first mm-hmm. time Ronnie and I used the GoFundMe money that was meant to medically care for our son who then died to mm-hmm. go to Hawaii. We stayed at a nice hotel. I have no problems denying that. Mm-hmm. And then the other two times, one they were both, one was for Lululemon. I got chosen to go on this ambassador retreat. And the third time was to go with um, Swimco. They wanted to shoot me. I was like their older women model for 50 to 60s so I rocked all these fun swimsuits on the beach do all the things and like that that gutted me like to my core where it just rocked me but again I think it's about having these healthy boundaries and I was sharing with my girlfriend who lost her husband I said she goes how do you deal with the haters how do you deal with the naysayers and the people that are super judgy and I go back to Brene's Brown's quote, I think it's Theodore Roosevelt mm-hmm. about being in the arena. And mm-hmm. then I also go back to being like hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah. how much hurt, how much suckiness, what have you walked through that you literally are spending your time consuming my content and then taking time in your day to write mean things? Mm-hmm. That to me is so scary about how dark, how hurt, how lonely, how frustrated, how sad they are. And so for me, that's my check-in where it's like, this isn't about me. And one thing I've learned, especially in 2020, one of the lessons I, I learned was I'm not responsible for other people's feelings and thoughts. Mm-hmm. They are. So yeah. I, that's where I check back into myself. What strategies do you use on a daily basis to to keep yourself motivated and in this place of joy. Dude, it takes a friggin' team, man. <laughs> like, it no does. Kidding. Like, here's the thing. Like 
I booked my therapy. Now I got my life coach. Now I got, I'm, I'm having a date night with my husband. I'm planning something fun for the kids. We have an amazing nanny who like takes care of all, like we call her, Swayze was calling us all different things. And she's mom, you're like the tornado. Maddie, that's our nanny. She's the glue. Dad's the scissor or no, Hollis was the scissors. Cause he destroys things. Like she was using office supplies as this analogy. <laughs> she's, so, she's so cute. Oh, she's mm-hmm. hilarious. But like, it, it takes a team. And like, I think if we just wake up and we think we're going to be okay and not do anything about it, like controlling your thoughts will literally give you the outcome for the rest of your day. And for me, that's owning my morning routine. And trust me, during COVID, it went to hell in a handbasket. Remember the first two weeks of COVID, you're on lockdown. My husband and I binged Ozark till two or three in the morning because we're like, we don't have to get up and our kids sleep in pretty good. Yeah. We'd be getting up at like 8.45 being like, what happened to our lives? Like one yeah. week earlier, you're like giddy up and in this routine. And then next week, it's you're like falling apart. And so <laughs> nope. it's all of these strategies. Like I go to a therapist. So I, I believe therapy is dealing with your past mm-hmm. and through that turmoil. And I have a life coach. Her name's Heather Borsma. She went to the life coaching school and their whole thing is based on a thought model about how your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings feelings at your actions and the circumstances and then your end results and mumbling it up a little bit. But when I'm in my head and I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm doing with. I book in, I have a call with her every two weeks. And then I can, I vox to her if I need more support being like, dude, I'm struggling with this. Here's all the thoughts and my feelings. Because usually if we feel a certain way, like we'll feel unmotivated or we'll feel frustrated, then we don't take action. And I just know the little things about drinking enough water, my morning routine, surrounding myself with really good people that have similar goals and dreams. Like girl, if you just want to watch Netflix every night and like chill, like you're not my people. Like I have friends that like, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to run it by you. Let's jam out. And those are are my people. And half the time my husband's exhausted, but he's also learned because I knew what I was getting into when I married you. I had no idea it would be this exhausting. And, but we all go in seasons and yeah, I'm just, there's a whole kit and tool toolbox that I use. And I just encourage people to, you don't have to figure it out on your own. Like it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be worked through together. It's meant to be for sure. I have my own person. I call her my Jenna and Mm. she's my therapist. And it took me probably, she was probably the third person I saw. And, and I just kept looking until I, I could be me and I could open up and actually feel comfortable with her Mm -hmm. and they get you. And now I just feel I, I can tell her anything and just, it just is such a relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hold space for it. And for sure. And now I have a coach as well for helping me move forward. Mm -hmm. And so very important. Who do you look to for inspiration Oh man, I looked a lot to the Hollises and then I got rocked by their news when they were getting divorced. Cause um, right? yeah, you too. Yeah. Oh, and, and to be honest, I've just taken a step back and life happens. I think mm-hmm. we look to like these North star people and you're like, your life has to stay perfect. What choked my goat, if that's a, a saying, or I'm going to make it a, a saying, <laughs> what, what choked my goat was that we went to their marriage, their marriage conference in mm-hmm. Austin. It was small and intimate, 400 people. The people that we met at our table, we still keep in touch with. I rushed the stage to get front row. Like literally they could have spit on me. It was such an intimate experience. Every single person got like a signed thing and got to get their picture with them. And then two, I'm like less than two years later, I was like, you just pulled the plug. 
what? Mm-hmm. And so that was a hard transition. We named our son Hollis after them. And not to say, I still will email Dave every now and again. They graciously gifted me tickets to Rise Business, which I found incredibly helpful. And there's seasons for it. Brene Brown as a North Star, someone who's doing work around vulnerability and how you show up, phenomenal. I look up to my life coach, Heather. We're in business together. We lead a mastermind and we're friends. So it's like a really cool relationship that like people are like, what? I'm like, she's your life coach. I'm like, yeah, because she knows what works. And I'm like, I've seen it work on me. My husband, because he's gone through so much hard work to get to where he is today. And then there's like about a bajillion other authors out there that have incredible books. So I think it's like, depending on what I'm needing is then where I'm looking. I think Jillian Harris has done a phenomenal job of being a a boss babe in, in business, blazing a trail, employing the economy, supporting local and like just going for it. And I mean, that what she faces is incredible of how she's resilient and and rises back. There's so many phenomenal women. And then there's some small players behind the scenes that people might not know their names, but I look up to the people, the group of women that I surround myself with kind of my, I call them like my core five. They're my besties and all of them are in business and run a business and operate a business. And so I'll look to them too for wisdom and advice and growth and to see me through the hard days. Yeah, that is awesome. You said something at Rise Lake Louise mm-hmm. that I circled over and over and over mm. and over and over again, and it was community over competition. Oh, yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit and how that's helped you? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Okay. There's a word and I'm not going to get the word right. I want to look this up on my phone. What I know to be true is that the world has 7.4 billion people on it. We're not all going to have brand new things. It's going to be (laughs) like recycled and repurposed. And I was talking to my friend. I'm like, oh, look, I want to do this thing, but just did this thing. And then I want to do this thing. And I thought it was my idea. Like here was a trigger for me. We're making candles and we're making a grief candle. It wasn't my idea. My lady who sugars me and runs a sugaring business in Winnipeg, I bought it from her. I was like, I want to do this thing. They didn't have the margins to like do a collab. And I was like, would you be offended? I just asked her, I said, would you be offended if I copied your idea and did it? She said, no, do the thing. We don't have the margins. And we know that your audience would appreciate it. A lot of people that follow me have experienced loss and heartache and grief. And so this beautiful grief candle, it says, even after they're gone, their light still remains. And we're launching it soon. We're working on all the things. There's a wax shortage, apparently. Who knew? They were supposed (laughs) to launch for Christmas and it's friggin' middle of January and we're still not there. Yeah. And the, these candles came out and I saw someone else who does similar work to me as launching a candle. And I'm like, they're <laughs> launching a candle. But like, take a step back for one second. Yeah. World population, 7.4 billion people. Like what? We're going to have one candle maker, one exactly. candle maker in the whole world. And yeah. when I look at it like that, where I'm like, dude, there's enough piece of the pie for all of us. Now copying like outright, like if someone came out with a saying like, Hey, I've got a sweatshirt, bring the joy. And they like lived in Calgary and they were, had a clothing line and they had a white heart on it. I'd be like, okay, maybe you need to come up with your own ideas. But mm-hmm. like when we started the apparel line, it was Melissa from Jacob Grace design that I was like, she used pain, the pain of her kids being in the NICU starting this brand. And she's since evolved her brand. She's going way more lifestyle now. 
but she paved the way for a lot of women. So like when people are like, Hey, I want to start an apparel company. I want to do the things. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'll give you all the things that I did wrong. All the stupid shit that I wish I had learned and didn't make the mistakes on. So I just go back to, I'm not the only one that will write a book. I'm not the only one that's going to do an apparel company. I'm not the only person that will speak on stages. And it's so many people have helped me. So if I can help you, I'm happy to. I literally, I have a speaking coach and I was like, Eric, why are you being so nice to me? Why are you helping me? Yeah. He was like, I see your heart, your potential says all these nice things. And he's, I just want you to live up to your full potential. I was like, wow. Could you imagine how rad the world would be if it's like, yeah, let me journey alongside you. But I think we're so scared of what if they do it better than me? And for me, that's just, you know what? Them coming into the marketplace is just competition and a little bit of fuel to light my ass and to keep my butt in gear to make sure that I don't get lazy. I don't get sloppy. Like competition breeds like how we show up a little bit better. It breeds that competitive edge. And I think we need that in business. Mm -hmm. And I've just been like, I'm not the only person that's going to launch a candle. I'm not the Mm -hmm. only person that's going to put a sweatshirt with some words on it. And I think that there's room for all of us. And I want to blaze a trail showing women it's possible. And why not do that linked arms, like that power of community standing together. And my therapist said, I was talking to her about the pace of my life. And I'm like, I just want to go and do the things. And I was talking about the things that hold me back. And she said, Jess, she goes, you can go faster by yourself. You're that person you go. But she goes, I guarantee you, she goes, you can go further when you do it together. Absolutely. And so that for me was like, dang, I'm like, so if I help you, then she can help her and I can help her and we can all join together and maybe we can negotiate pricing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, there's tons of room in this world for all of us. Come up with your own original ideas in the sense that like mark your own trail, do that, stay in your lane, but come on and rise up sister. Let's all do this together. And support each other and actually not just think it. Like when you see somebody on Instagram or, or whatever, right? Like I'm making it a habit now to actually speak and give the encouragement, not just think it because they don't know you're thinking it. And exactly. And that's so powerful. It's so powerful and it doesn't take long. It takes a second or two seconds to just say something kind to somebody and that can actually change their day. They may have been having a really shitty day and you just changed it for them. What's next for you? What are you creating? The sweatshirt's coming out in the fun colors. Oh man, you talked about, you're like, this is going to be a New York Times bestseller. Last week, Thursday or Friday, I think it was Thursday. I was talking with my agency and we put together this like 50 page book proposal. I wrote a chapter of my new book, did all the things. We pulled the numbers and we sent it off to 15 or 20 um, large publishing houses and uh, Penguin Random House. And uh, I think Thomas Nelson, both of them said no no like it's good but like no well like she's not big enough like we think her audience is tapped out and I was like damn it and then I was like okay and my life coach again Heather has done this like how many no's do you need to do like how many offers until you get yes is it 20 offers and then you'll get your yes is it five like you don't know your own math or your own ratio depending on what it is and so I'm going really hard after a book deal we wanted them to buy bring the joy and then also give me an advance to write my second book because this was a crazy expensive project I didn't like half-ass it we poured 
tens of thousands of dollars into it. Anyone can publish a book. You can pop it up onto Amazon, but we had this vision of how it was going to be and what it would look like and the team that I worked with. And so working really hard on a, a publishing deal, I'm believing it's true. And I was like, we got a few other no's where or people didn't even look at the proposal. And I was like, how cool is it that Penguin Random House and these big publishers actually looked at it? They read it. Mm-hmm. They liked the book. They yeah. just are like, no, you don't have a big enough following. We don't know if your audience wants two books from you. And it's like, yeah, they do. They yeah. do want and they you're going to regret it when it goes to a New York Times bestseller and you're like, dang, we should have signed her when we had the chance. A book, um, another book, I hope, I pray, the most kind of current thing that's going to be rolling out the soonest is this course that I'm working on dealing with getting unstuck and working through grief and loss and how to become fully alive. Because my passion is like, why do we wait until these moments where someone dies or something tragic happens to then start living this dream life or to then get unstuck and do said things? And so really just trying to equip anyone, but women specifically on getting going on living their dreams. I, I live my dream life every day. Not always easy, but I love it. And I want other women to be in that same space. And then we've got some new apparel. We're going to raise a ton of money. And I dream of taking my kids on a really awesome vacation other than Winnipeg, God bless, <laughs> but somewhere fun and hot with palm trees and a pool. So mm-hmm. that's, what's coming up. That's awesome. I just want to say that I, first of all, I'm grateful for you being real. And I really mean that like you, you are always real when you put yourself out there. And that has been such a refreshing way to look at life. And cause you see a lot of fake in this world mm-hmm. right now, a lot of fake and the more real people can be the better. And that's what I strive to be. And you are one of those people. So thank you. And I'm also grateful for Never hearing the song can't stop the feeling. Yes. Every time I hear that song now, I think of you and your family and it's just such an um, uplifting song and it just brings me joy every time I hear it now. So thank you very much. What are you grateful for today? Oh, my list is long. I got a morning to myself. Like I got a a nailed waking up. It doesn't always happen because your kid wakes you up in the middle of the night. Like my daughter's like, she's a pro right now coming in the middle of the night. Mom, I had a bad dream. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful that I got to sleep through the night. And then when I woke up, it was like time to get up. I'm thankful for hot French press coffee. I love making coffee at home. I feel like I've nailed it over COVID and I don't need the bucks anymore. And so appreciating that. I'm always thankful for opportunities like this where someone, hey, we want to share your story. Like how cool is that someone has a platform and wants to tell other people in this world about it. I don't believe that our story should be wasted. I believe there's purpose in it now. And so we're just trying to share all that we've learned and encourage other people to keep showing up and to get through the hard stuff. I'm thankful for my husband. He knows, I think I thought it would have happened faster or like the book deal would have happened or like the, this breakthrough would have happened. And I'm thankful that he's uh, patient and sees the vision that I do. Me and my daughter have been battling it out where basically I'm raising the miniature version of myself. And uh, <laughs> so am I. Oh my God. It's so hard to parent. Oh my God. Wait till they're, wait till she's 12. I'm screwed. Like I literally. Lord help I, you. Yes. <laughs> 
and I've consciously been really working on it. And last week and over the week, my husband's, I was like, oh, I feel like me and my daughter really made strides in like improving our relationship. Cause like we would literally just yell at each other. Like we get along, but then we'd just be like, and she would be like, no mom, I am done with you. Because that's <laughs> what I would say back to her. And so she'd just dish it back to me. And then we'd just be at a stalemate. And I've been like, okay, I'm not working. We're going to spend time. We're going to do the hike. We're going to go get ice cream, whatever it is. And yep. learning to slow down a little bit with her and just really give her the attention that she needs. And it's still a work in progress and far from perfect. Parenting is the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's so rewarding, but it's hard. And so just working on the relationship with her has been really such a blessing. And then there's like, I'm like, I got a list of your gratitude. I call them joy starters, just things that like light me up and spark me up. Like I'm diffusing like citrus bliss and grapefruit over here. I was like, dang, like I'm ready to tackle the day. So there's lots of, and all the people I could go on for, I could go on for probably 24 hours of just listing all the good stuff. But those are, are the top things that are mulling around in my head. Do you think that having your gratitude or joy starter practice mm-hmm. has changed your life? Cause I know it has for me two years ago, I started it and every day I find something to be grateful for. And it's just rewired stuff in my brain. I think that I'm always looking for good. I love that you said rewired your brain. One of the people you asked about like where I look to and like mentors and all that you talk about Brene Brown, all of these people, but somebody else that I love to talk about, cause I've learned so much, uh, especially about how the brain works is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Mm-hmm. She's a neuroscientist. And so she has the actual scientific facts of how you rewire your brain and what that looks like. And that then goes back, I think, to like Heather Borsman's model and the the life coaching school of the thought model, because when we can change our thoughts, you can change and rewire your brain. And they say it takes 63 days. And I know for me in October 20, so whatever it was three months ago, I was in a deep, dark spot. Like I literally was a mess and I didn't talk about it in the moment because I needed to get through it first. And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll share some more on that. But like to the point where I was like, I think you need to check me in somewhere because like my brain's not okay. I don't feel okay. I had no energy. I wasn't, I was like at my wits end. I was like, cause I know where I can operate at. I know Mm -hmm. when I'm functioning good and all cylinders are fueling and it's all working together. Yep. And so I think when you talk about like you rewired your brain, like I've rewired my life and my brain and my go-to for joy and like, what a freaking blessing because I look for the moments of joy. I look like that's just like my default setting. And so if you're someone that is in the midst of grief and struggling and you're fighting through it and you're like, oh, know that like you can have your default setting be joy. And me and my girlfriend talk about this. Life is 50-50 like 50 good and awesome and amazing amount top moments. And then 50% of the other time it's hard. It's grinding. Another bill came in. There's, it's not always easy, but I'm so glad that my default setting is to look for the joy, to look for the good, to see the good in people. That is such a blessing. It is such a blessing. And I'm encouraging everyone that I know and love to, to develop this practice or this habit and try and rewire their brain because it will make a huge difference in your life Mm -hmm. for sure. Thank you, Jessica. I am so grateful that you did this with me today. And yeah, I will definitely put all of the information in the show notes. Where can people find you? 
My number one spot that I like to hang out on is Instagram. I think it's like the easiest place for me to be, especially in stories. That's where I like to hang out posts. It's like curate the grid and do all the stuff. And I hate that. But like most reels, I'm like, here I am headed to the bathroom. Not quite, but almost. (laughs) But I think like just sharing like my life. I've had people being like, it's called Swayze TV or Jessica's reality show. And like, how cool is it that we get insight into like average, normal, everyday people's life. Mm-hmm. And so I love to hang out there on Instagram. You can follow me at the Jessica Jansen, Jansen with a Z and then slide into my DMs, comment on a picture. And then we're launching a new website. It's just jessicajansen.ca. And that will link you to our apparel. It'll link you to the foundation and all of the good things and projects that we're working on. Excellent. The sweatshirts, I'm wearing one right now. They are so comfortable and I've gotten so many compliments on it and people asking me where I got it because it's, yeah, it's simple, but it's it's awesome. And the book, yeah, you got to go and read this book. Bring the Joy by Jessica Jansen amazing. You'll finish it. Maybe not in four hours, but maybe in, I don't know, eight, (laughs) because it's just (laughs) that good. So yeah. Thanks for having me. Just for the book, you can find it on Amazon. If you're someone, I love Audible just because I yep. like doing the dishes and learning. It's on Audible. You'll hear my voice. Maybe you find it annoying. Some people get fired up by it, but it's on Audible, Barnes and Noble, Amazon on our website. I'm working on getting it into Indigo and Chapter Suit. And then there's a ton of local bookstores and also like little boutiques and flower shops that also carry my books. So you'll find it. It's an easy spot. If you have Amazon Prime, do it. That still supports us and our family. I'm just excited for more people to read it and and to get their feedback. I can't wait for book two as well. So get on it. (laughs) I'm trying. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Jess, like I said, I am so grateful for you for so many dang reasons. I love your authentic voice. I love your willingness to be real and vulnerable and give other women the inspiration to do the same. And I love that you decided to share your story with the world. Your book, Bring the Joy, will be on the New York Times bestseller list, and it will help so many people as it already has. If you find someone who read it faster than me at four hours, please let me know. You seriously can't put this book down. It's that good. I will have all the links to go follow Jess and give her some love. Also, please be sure to check out Love for Lewiston and help her and her family raise more money for SMA. $1 million is just the tip of the iceberg for this incredible foundation. Coming up on the next two episodes, I will be doing a season two recap, including the lessons that I have learned from hearing others' hard, beautiful journeys. Every day, there is something to learn and something to be grateful for. Until next time, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.